Hello and welcome to another episode of Eat This Podcast with me, Jeremy Charfus. The show today follows on from the one a couple of weeks ago. It isn't a sequel or anything. If you didn't hear that, you don't need to go back right now. But it does look at the consequences of that episode. The take-home of that episode was that a huge part of the published research and policy about agriculture and global hunger is to do with increasing productivity. And though we didn't get into it, almost all of that research is on starchy, energy-rich staple crops. Wheat, rice, maize, potatoes. As a result, although lots of people still don't have access to all the energy they need, the global supply of calories is actually more than enough. Energy, of course, is not enough, but it is what the world has been fixated on since the 1960s. A new report, Cost and Affordability of Healthy Diets Across and Within Countries, for the first time looks at the cost of not just a diet that provides enough energy, but also one that provides enough nutrition and one that's actually healthy. The lead author on that report is Anna Herforth. She works with the Food Prices for Nutrition Project at Tufts University and is also a senior research associate at the Harvard Chan School of Public Health. And a good place to start is probably by asking what defines the three different diets, energy sufficient, nutrition adequate, and healthy. The energy sufficient diet is composed of one single food. Uh, which is just the least cost starchy staple in each uh, time or place. Mm -hmm. So that might be rice in one country, it might be maize in another country, or you know, it might be potatoes at one time of year, and it might be uh, at rice at a different time of year. And that's kind of the foil against which the other diets are measured. So then the nutrients adequate diet is based on a linear programming method to find the solution for the least cost way to meet all micronutrient needs, vitamins and minerals, and macronutrient needs, so starches, proteins, and fats. And then the healthy diet? So the healthy diet is what reflects what you would think of as a healthy diet. Like if you have an image in your mind of uh, you know, food-based dietary guideline that has a pyramid or a plate or um, you know, a plate of food that has part of it is a starchy staple, part of it is some sort of protein-rich food, animal or plant source, um, and part of it is vegetables, and then you have some fruits uh, involved in the diet and uh, a healthy amount of fat. That is what constitutes the healthy diet, and the, there are many ways to define a healthy diet. The specifics of it, although the generalities are quite common. And so we calculated many ways to eat a healthy diet and then took the mean uh, average of them all. And um, bottom line, which is probably an unfortunate phrase in this context, but okay, so how much do each of those diets cost on average across all the countries and all the conditions? Yeah, on average, we found that the healthy diet costs around uh, $3.70, $0.75, cents, uh, which doesn't 
necessarily seem like a lot if you're a high income person, um, you know, less than $4 a day. But of course, we know the poverty line is $1.90, the international poverty line. And that's for everything. So assuming you have to spend something on housing and transportation or school or clothing, you know, if you take a portion of that for food, which is $1.20, that's all a lot of people have to be able to spend the maximum amount on food. So if a healthy diet is, you know, $3.75 and you only have $1.20, you're not going to be able to access a healthy diet. But if I remember from the report, just even the energy sufficient diet is 79 cents, 80 cents a day. So if you, you know, if you've only got a dollar 20 to spend, you might not even be able to afford that. Certainly for some people, even achieving energy sufficiency is a challenge. Um, but, you know, we focused on discussions of global food security for a long time. We focused on that metric of energy sufficiency. I mean, it is the most important, vital measure of whether you can even survive. Right. But we focused on that at the exclusion of really what people need to eat to be healthy, which is not, you know, uh, it's not a new kind of aspirational goal. It is actually what's been agreed for the last 25 years in the global, you know, UN definition of what is food security, which is, you know, access by all people at all times for uh, sufficient, safe, nutritious food to meet dietary needs for healthy and active life. So this is what we're, you know, this is the ideal of actually what food security is. Um, and so it's been, I, I see this work as a necessary update to the conversation around energy sufficiency that yes, even for some people, energy sufficiency is a problem for, but for many, many people, really food security is not there because it's not possible to access that nutritious diets meet dietary needs. If you look at kind of levels of poverty in, in all the countries you examined and the cost of the diet, it's possible then to estimate how many people globally cannot afford a healthy diet? Yes. And? And that's what we did. So, yeah, we found about 3 billion people globally can't afford a healthy diet. But that's like almost half the population. I mean, it's what, 40% or something? Yes, yeah, so it's particularly high throughout South Asia and Africa where the vast majority of people in those regions doesn't have sufficient daily income to uh, be able to access a healthy diet that would meet dietary needs, dietary recommendations. I just want to leave a moment for that to sink in. Three billion people in the world cannot afford the bare minimum healthy diet. But here's something else. Anna Herforth and her colleagues also looked at the price differentials between the three kinds of diet for each region of the globe. And what really struck me about the rich world is that the difference between a healthy diet and a nutritionally adequate diet is the lowest in the world. But the difference between 
either a healthy diet or a nutritionally adequate diet and an energy-sufficient diet is the highest in the world. And to me, that suggests that, relatively speaking, energy-rich foods are way cheaper, or healthy diets are way more expensive in the rich world than they ought to be. Can that be right? That does seem to be a, a good conclusion to draw from that. Um, that's not something we actually focused on in the report, you know, the differentials for high-income countries, but it's a really interesting observation. There's not so many people in high-income countries who are unable to afford a healthy diet. There are some, but then you have to ask, well, why doesn't everyone eat a healthy diet? You know, clearly there are more factors at play than just cost. Um, but also, if you're thinking about relative costs, sure, everyone likes to economize. And, and uh, if, you know, energy-dense foods are really much more ubiquitous and cheaper than, um, you know, fruits and vegetables and legumes and the, uh, things that are essential for a healthy diet pattern, then there are many reasons, including relative prices, where you might see, uh, you know, behavior of people uh, favoring those energy-dense foods. So, so if you consider the whole basket of foods necessary for, um, for a healthy diet, uh, which bits cost the most and which bits cost the least? Well, on average, globally, the uh, starchy staple portion of the diet is actually, um, as you would expect, it's the cheapest, costing about 16% on average, whereas the fruits and vegetables cost 40% of the total and the protein-rich foods, and including dairy, cost 44%. So, you know, clearly we see the healthy diet cost is uh, largely due to those nutrient-rich, uh, um, you know, di additions of diversity in uh, fruits, vegetables, legumes, animal source foods, in addition to starchy staples. And I guess if you're, if you're hungry and you don't have much money, um, those are going to go by the wayside, the fruit and veg and the dairy and protein. You know, clearly, if you're short on cash, you're going to favor energy. You know, you're going to make sure you can cover the energy needs uh, for the day and go towards, um, you know, satisfying the, the starchy staple requirements. Uh, whereas fruits and veg, you know, yes, they're super important for long term health. But if you're thinking really short term and you don't have um, the ability to pay, you know, a dollar fifty, which is above even the entire food portion of the poverty line, then clearly that's what's going to go. You didn't consider, I mean, you only considered the market. You didn't consider anything about food that people are growing for themselves. Do you think that makes a difference to the overall picture? Absolutely. Yes. This is the market cost. Uh, and that's really an important point to make because when the cost of diet, a healthy diet is too high in the market. That's where we really need to support other ways of accessing healthy diets, which could come from home production, come, could come from the collection of wild foods. You know, uh, in a lot of cultures, 
fruits are uh, accessed from the wild. Um, and that certainly is not captured in these market costs. Um, but having, you know, access to wild areas or preservation of those areas to begin with might be an essential piece of ensuring access to food where it's too expensive in the market. What are the other kind of policy recommendations that you make? Well, in in that vein of, you know, how could people access food when it is too expensive beyond wild collection, there's also, you know, even thinking about support for uh, seeds or home gardening and home food production as almost a safety net, as a form of social protection, uh, so that people are able to produce some of the components of healthy diets if they're if if they are producers and have access to some land other forms of social protection could come into play as well but then the longer term you know how do we get out of this situation where <laughs> healthy diets are just too expensive for a whole lot of people on the planet how did we get here and how do we get out of it and I think that primarily the issue is we need to always think in terms of diversity, diversification of food systems, because for so long we've been pouring almost all of the agricultural research and development resources into just a few crops, mainly starchy staple crops. And we need to have more research to make fruits and vegetables and legumes cheaper. You know, they, they've received such a minuscule proportion of attention and resources, even up to the post-harvest, you know, transportation of perishable items is a whole different story compared to the transportation storage of a starchy grain. And there's a lot of work needed there to just make it more, more feasible, more profitable, and less risky for farmers to be producing these diverse uh, foods that everybody needs that are in, they're not only too expensive, they're even in short supply altogether at any price. It's its interesting, though, because I mean, not just investment in research and development, but, but even subsidies tend to go to starchy staples globally. And I, I wonder what the impact would be, if it could be done, of switching those subsidies to, say, fruit and veg. Yeah, I I also wonder what that would produce because I don't think we've seen a lot of examples where it's been done. And uh, it does seem that there is a disproportionate attention, yes, as you say, not only in the research and development, but in, in even the consumer side, um, certain kinds of foods over others, which are exaggerating the imbalances in cost of these different pieces of the diet. To what extent, though, do you think that these these um, imbalances, I guess I could call them, are the result of people still thinking about acute hunger and famine of the sort of 60s, 50s, 60s, and trying to avoid that kind of desperate situation rather than accepting that actually we can probably supply enough starchy staples, but we're not supplying a decent, nutritionally adequate diet. 
right now we're just in the pattern of that line of thinking. It's it's quite entrenched because when, you know, a whole, not only the international systems, but also the national agricultural research systems and, and even departments and universities, all of these different systems favor starchy stables. You know, there's always a, in the crop sciences department of a university, there's like several people focused on maize or rice, or there's just a whole system of um, expertise in these areas where it's sort of a momentum uh, where that's what people know how to do. We just haven't created the necessary system to train and focus on that same sort of expertise for a diversity of other crops. Um, so I think in part, maybe it's, you know, an ideological hang up on hunger, but I do hear the global conversation changing towards healthy diets quite substantially. So then that requires a concurrent shift in investment in how to address that issue. If the, if the issue is changed over the last 50 years from famine as the focus to poor diets as the focus, then there needs to be also a shift in resources to be able to tackle that new focus. I guess, I guess the ultimate question, well, my ultimate question, um, is to do with the poverty line. Um, I mean, there's this figure of a dollar ninety a day, a dollar twenty of which is spent on food. Um, you can't just raise the poverty line because all that'll do is, I mean, you could raise the poverty line to say five dollars a day and, and then people who are above the poverty line would be able to afford a healthy diet. Um, but, but you can't just do that. So, I mean, how do you recognize that the poverty line is kind of an inadequate description for whether people can afford a healthy life? <laughs> that is the elephant in the room, really. We, you know, we didn't set out to say what the poverty line should be. But the results of this study showing how much higher the cost of the minimum cost of a healthy diet. It's not what actually people spend. It's the minimum market cost of a healthy diet is so much higher than poverty lines. It does lead exactly to the question of what does the poverty line mean then if it's not enough to cover adequate food? Anna Herforth talking about the report Cost and Affordability of Healthy Diets Across and Within Countries. As ever, I'll link to the full report and some of Anna Herforth's other work in the show notes at eatthispodcast.com. This year, 2021, is quite packed with global summit meetings. We've got the Climate Summit, the Biodiversity Summit, and the Food Summit. And agriculture is central to all of them. And that leaves me wondering whether we'll finally see action, rather than words, to move away from an obsession with starchy staples and towards an overall healthier diet. 
Once again, my thanks to everyone who helps to support the show with a donation, either direct at eatthispodcast.com slash supporters or via Patreon at patreon.com slash ETP. You generous people help to make transcripts available and all the other things that go into publishing the podcast. Thank you. And that's all for this episode. So from me, Jeremy Chirfus, and Eat This Podcast, goodbye and thanks for listening. <laughs>